Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool center. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Oh, great show, Hayes and Mardo. Here we are, the first uh, drive program for the week, and it's always a real hot one on a Monday night because of so many issues emulating out of the weekend. And, of course, it was the Queen's birthday holiday, a long weekend, and well done to the Magpies. Uh, They are one of the surprise packets of the season so far, defeating Melbourne. Where are the Demons at? Three uh, losses on end now, 12-10-82 to 8-8-56, brother. Uh, Peter Vlahos with you and of course our AFL analyst on a Monday night is Kim Hagdorn. Haggers, good evening yeah, to good you. Yeah, day, Peter. How are you? Just quite a few uh, issues just straight off the top is uh, Melbourne with their three losses in a row and now they it's it's a share of top, isn't it? Between Brisbane, mm. Melbourne and, and, Frio. and Fremantle. <laughs> equal top after round uh, 14. Uh, some have had buys, some haven't had buys. Fremantle, Brisbane and Melbourne will go to their buy. Carlton they can jump back into equal top if they can have a win over Richmond later this week. Let's talk about that later on or as the week unfolds because there's so many issues around all that, Peter, is that uh, Melbourne, they've now got to run. They might keep losing. I don't know. They've got to buy. They need to regroup on the back of the Stephen May fiasco. And and what sort of effect does that have? What would you say to him tonight if you were a teammate? Mm, you know, do you, mm. would you ignore him? Was he not there? Does he not hang around the change rooms when they've lost? But that's three in a row. Now the bye, then Brisbane and Adelaide. Where do and they play Geelong. Brisbane up there? Yeah, it's the MCG. Okay. So again, in front of their home crowd, can they recover? So that's one. Fremantle have the bye. I thought there were signs from Fremantle. They're really plucky. They hang in and they did come. You know, Which they, is they something to... they never used to do under the previous regime. Well, when they, they did. When they were beaten, you can't, I don't think they we can beaten. say never. Let's not forget that 2012, 13, 14, 15, they were amongst it. They were one of the trendsetters of the competition. That's a long time ago. Yeah, but 16, 17. So it's six seasons since they've been anything like they are now. And as you say, six seasons since we would expect them to keep coming back at sides. I found it extraordinary, and, and you have to commend Hawthorne and perhaps some of the early signs of development and potential with Hawthorne, Peter, Ten lead changes in that yeah. game. It was just, it was just, it just kept happening, didn't it? And Fremantle hit the front at the fifteen-minute mark of the third term, and they weren't headed again since. But they were challenged. It wasn't as if they ran away with the game. Hawthorne kept coming back at them, and some issues out of that one. I'd love to talk to anyone about this. Is the the Nathan Fife return? It was hailed and heralded. heralded. He wasn't in their best dozen players. No, and I actually reckon he played a role, which is. It had to be strategic. I know he was around the ball and he spent about 52 or 3% of his time as a midfielder and then 40-odd percent, 43 or 4% as a forward and then bench time in amongst that as well. But I, I got the impression it was very strategic. And when it was happening and playing out on Saturday, I thought this is how he played for Peel against Subi last weekend where he wasn't so much the buffeting in first receiver from a ruck tap or around a pack. 
he was just off it, and he was the first. He was mm. the receiver. He wasn't the getter, the get and give. He was on the outside. Oh, slightly in. As they were breaking, the likes of Sarong and Brayshaw got or Mundy now and again got it to Nathan Five, who then gave it, and they broke and burst. And I just thought that's helping him protect himself, them protect him. And when you think he only had only six kicks for the match, one of them was soccer in the goal square for his only goal. Yeah. But 16 handballs, it reinforced what I thought I saw, where he was a giver. He'd receive and then give straight away. And it helped It helped prevent him getting that heavy buffeting, thrown to the ground constantly, hitting the shoulders, hitting the hips, hitting the chest, where he was the go in, get it, and then give it out. He was a first receiver as the packs were breaking, and especially when Fremantle had good possession. i tell you one other person who needs to be heralded and lauded over the last two weekends of Nathan Fife's comeback is Dr. Peter D'Alessandro. Mm. He was the surgeon yeah. that did Nathan Fife soldier. So I reckon he'd be pretty chuffed With that the... my boy's getting through. I tell you what, I found the article today, and we both rate him very highly, and we've featured him on the program. I've had him as a, as a guest from the West Australian. Braden Quartermain's breakdown on the back of that footy rap today mm-hmm. about the evolution of football. Because mm. one thing that was plainly obvious on Saturday is... Frio overdo the handball, and they handball when they shouldn't be handballing. Players in a position where they get closed down or get taken out and basically get pinned for being in possession or making a prior opportunity. They were handball happy on Saturday. They've got to be a lot cleaner, and they have been a lot cleaner, but they overdid it on Saturday. Oh, I think that's 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 a bit of a high risk, I think, that Fremantle are playing. Fremantle are playing, and this is where I sort of suspect that they just will get challenged in coming weeks because everybody's analysed it. The opposition have analysed it. Even Hawthorne had done deep research, took it to Fremantle, and when they did turn it over or win it back, particularly the likes of Sicily from the key defence, they finished up with 61 inside 50s, Mm. Hawthorne, to 47 Fremantle. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's a risk. I think they also are still, I'm convinced of it, Fremantle are still un- Lacking in some confidence with the blokes at the front. Mm-hmm. Lob, Tavern is not there. Logue is filling in. They're still not convin- completely convinced that those boys can be the target and to go a little bit quicker, like Collingwood did today. Collingwood's game today, you have to be very impressed with the way they do go very confidently and quick. And I, I, I just, one of the uh, other factors was very evident with Fremantle's win to support my thinking and theory there, they're not getting the, the marking targets. They're not hitting them. 11 of their 12 goals were from field goals, ground balls, running goals. Yeah, and what was interesting, just along your actually said in the post-match press conference, he was convinced that they weren't necessarily the best team on the day. Mm. But in the end, he was happy to come out with the four points and they scrapped one quarter one in the game when they kicked six third, goals yeah. to two in the third term. And they looked like the old Fremantle that had beaten Brisbane and Melbourne in with, the, with the couple of weeks burst, before. They? Yeah. 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 yeah, and they looked really good. I tell you, that's something that really was glaring for me on the weekend. And it comes down to individuals and how they connect with a coach. Mm. Stephen Cornelio couldn't find the ball for about a couple of seasons under Leon Cameron. Mm. Mark McVeigh, no doubt, has taken him under his wing. He's liking, uh, certainly, uh, the direction that Mark McVeigh is sending him as a leader of the GWS Giants. Stephen Cornelio played his best game. Okay, it was only against North Melbourne, but he played his best game, I think, 
for a couple of seasons. He was outstanding. Oh, and, and, he you can, was... and you can see that he's feeling comfortable in his own skin again. And Mark McVeigh, the coach, has given well, him the confidence. Well, well, come back to that just briefly. I, I thought Cornelio was second best on ground. Harry Himmelberg was best on ground with nearly 40 possessions out of fullback, but they were an attacking, creative mm. sort of fullback. It was more like a halfback flanking role or a centre halfback. I say Tom Stewart gets votes when he plays well with Geelong. And that's another move that, that, that McVeigh has, has pulled since taking the job just a month ago. So Cornelio, more confident player, back around the ball, and you stay around the ball pretty much the whole game and rest forward. He's not spending a lot of bench time, Cornelio. No. And the other one is, Him- is Himmelberg. I thought Himmelberg was best on ground in that game yesterday. Poor standard of game. That, that was, that was, was just a bad adver- advertisement for – and North Melbourne just continued to be delusional that, that, that things are going <laughs> well there. You look at the statistics – of the North Melbourne players and their key players, their key important players, that they were horrendous yesterday. They're, they're, and the the, uh, the the Horn Jones sort of performance and him on report now, he's been offered two weeks, Peter. Yeah, Horn but, Francis. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Horn, Horn Francis, sorry, I, think I said Horn Jones. I was just looking up their stats because th- th- they were awful. They, they were totally unacceptable, the, the North Melbourne stats yesterday. And performances from the likes of uh, Horn Francis – Eight possessions for the match. Mm. He played on the ball, Peter. Kane Turner lauded for the big tagging job that he did on Josh Kelly. Kelly's had it nearly 30 times. Turner had it eight times. Eight times. Hugh Greenwood had it eight times. Played on the ball. Mm. Jack Zebel, he could leave the captain of your club as a permanent forward to finish up with six possessions in the match when you're getting belted. There's... And and Jaden Stevenson, he just doesn't want to be there. You can no, see. No, you that. can see that. Interesting. Uh, he had five touches for the whole match. Had one touch at the half time. They're, they're delusional, North Melbourne, if they think things are going okay. Okay, we'll get to to the Eagles in a moment because, of course, they had the bye and they're gearing up for a home game against Geelong. Let's look at uh, Young Horn Francis. Yep. Visibly frustrated during that ruse uh, thrashing by GWS. And he's only 18 years of age, has got the number one draft tag, certainly fair and square on his forehead, was involved in a heated exchange with veteran ruckman Todd Goldstein, who he should respect and yeah, listen to yeah, because of what Todd's gone through at half time. As we have already found out, striking charge against Josh Kelly, two weeks for that. He clearly doesn't want to be there. Oh. He clearly doesn't want to be there. I've never seen a number one draft pick, 18 years of age, let Mm, me tell you, mm, mm. challenge someone like Todd Goldstein, who's what on in his early 30s, who's given his blood, sweat and tears to North Melbourne and he's taken him on at halftime. But to me, that reinforces. I mean, we're seeing body language confirmation that what David Noble, the coach, Ben Amafio, the chief executive, and Brady Rawlings as the football operations general manager have been trying to tell us that there's unity, they're right behind us, uh, the players are working their backsides off, doing everything right, everything we ask of them. We're hunky-dory. Everything is not right at North Melbourne, no matter what the three sort of senior pillars are telling us, because it's, it's, it clearly isn't. And I think the, the display from an 18-year-old to a 32, 33-year-old veteran of North Melbourne uh, reinforces that clearly. Okay. And, and mind you, it's, it's, it's a bit of the spoilt brat mentality you do see from some youngsters these days around various very sporting levels. Yeah, fair call. Okay, and the other issue, and we like uh, – it's been uh, 
flogged to death, but we need to touch on it. Certainly, uh, Jason Horn francis was one issue. Melbourne, we've touched on, and what the impact of the uh, altercations during the course of the week had on their performance today, beaten by Collingwood. And Collingwood certainly are going, ga- uh, going great guns. 26-point winners at the MCG today in front of 76,000. A lot of black and white in it's that crowd. Turnaround. Too, that, yeah. That's an eight-goal turnaround. They kicked... Nine of the last ten goals in the game. Yeah, uh, Melbourne only kicked three goals in the second half. Yeah, but nine of the last ten of yeah. the match from Collingwood. from Collingwood. And it's the way they kicked them too. They ran the ball in so strongly. My check, he, I would have gone him probably third best on ground. Yeah, uh, Cox was certainly good. And, of course, uh, Oliver was good for Melbourne. Uh, the other one is the Bailey Smith scenario. Let's just play this first because we need to touch on it because everyone's had their opinion. Love to get you on the uh, temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13 12 55. Come and join us. Here's Bailey Smith. In fact, we'll fire it, Bray. It, oh, definitely a regret and, you know, extremely disappointed in myself and, yeah, as I said, embarrassed, like, trying to walk and do simple things today. You know, it was already hard before, but it was more for the good reasons of footy, but now to have um, this burden is tougher, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I suppose it's a, uh, it's not a relief, but, like, it almost is because it's, like, it was a period of my life where I feel ashamed and, you know, I want to forget, but now I feel like I can probably move on. Um, and, you know, I'm an open book. Um, we've all, you know, messed up, and, yeah, it's unfortunate that I, I did in that way, and um, as I said before, I'm excited to grow and continue to you know, be better. And since then, uh, the coach of the Bulldogs, Luke Beveridge, has questioned the AFL's illicit drugs policy uh, regarding Bailey Smith facing sanctions from the league. He's still to be interviewed by the AFL Integrity Unit, uh, Smith. He will be interviewed during the course of the week, uh, as we saw that footage. Um, we saw it on Saturday, heading into that game that we broadcast between Freo and Hawthorne of the 21-year-old with that illicit substance from late last year, and that was circulated publicly. Now, mental health has played a part in this, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, Bailey Smith has come out of it. He's been apologetic. He's questioned where his uh, mental well-being was post the grand final here at Optus Stadium against Melbourne last year. This is not an isolated case. The problem with Bailey Smith, he got caught. He got caught by video and a photograph. And clearly, he was in another headspace on that night. Well, uh, And we've, uh, we need to touch delicately on it, but... Well, what, I'm not what, so sure what, why we... we but sadly, what about Beveridge's stance that he needs to question the AFL's well, he, illicit he wants drugs to, policy? To, to quash it completely. Yeah, just t- just do away it. with it. Well, th- that's lunacy. That, that's, that's a strange comment from a coach whose club is paid for and run by the AFL. Mm. It's very challenging and, and confrontational. You touched on it there, Peter. Um, I have no proof, no evidence, because you'll never, ever get it. The AFL won't even inform the club's as to how much they do know about these activities. But for every incident like Smith, you can rest assured there's many more that are hidden that we've never seen. I mean, I would guess it four out of every five, four or five other cases, perhaps even more. So it is ridiculous that the AFL management is likely to investigate and only give a two-game ban here. Mm. It is ridiculous and unacceptable, but it just got brushed past because one of the poster boys of the whole competition, not just 
the Bulldogs, head-butted, head-butted Zach Tui at three-quarter time, Peter. That incident didn't take place during the match when the players were trying to bustle away and get on with the game or get a free kick or run the ball downfield. we got to score a goal. It happened at three-quarter time. It didn't even go straight to the tribunal. He got two weeks. So if he only gets two weeks now for bringing the game into such disrepute because he's been caught, as you say, we wouldn't know about it. If, no. If, if the media hadn't got hold of this, whoever passed it on to media outlets, they've spilled it. It wouldn't have been known. It wouldn't have been known. So how many more do the AFL cover? And with the AFL drugs policy as it is, at least a lot of clubs or the AFL Players Association work behind the scenes on the first and second strikes. I don't reckon we'll ever see a third strike. If all he's going to get is two games for this, Bailey Smith, because the precedent was set several years ago when two players got caught publicly and they got two games at the time, he sure got banned for eight matches 14 matches overall, six suspended for a $20 bet mm. in 2011. Jaden Stevenson, he's a troubled soul, got 12 matches, got 22 matches, 10 suspended for a $36 three-way multi that didn't even involve his own team. So where's the integrity in what a lot of the things the AFL are doing, especially with the behaviour of players behind the scenes and especially when it goes public. This has brought the game into disrepute. Mm. So it should be worth, worth more than two games. Yeah, fair call. And can I just also throw out, from a journalistic point of view, and it was a, a poor uh, situation, Tom Morris, who worked for Fox Sports, came out weeks and months ago, made those comments about season, a colleague, yeah. lost his job. Who knows where he is now? Who knows what his state of mind is now? Who knows who's giving him support? In the end, he, he lost his job, he's lost friends, and he's lost his credibility because of those well, remarks that he did make. I can reveal to you relating to Tom Morris. Yeah. That was, I just checked. That was after round one. Remember when the Bulldogs Correct. had been beaten by Melbourne to, to kick the season off? And um, that Friday afternoon, that was a Thursday night game? Yes. And then he had the blue. There was a huge publicity. That's right, with Beveridge, yeah, Luke Beveridge yeah, yeah, at the yeah, press yeah, conference. Yeah, yeah, Correct. Yeah. And then th- then there was some information spread around about a comment that he'd made about a free- female colleague. But again, it, it was picked up on video and no, it, was it was circulated. Wednesday game. By Friday he was. It was circulated publicly via video as yep. the case was with uh, Bailey Smith. And it's always going to be the case, especially if someone wants to get you back. Correct. Now, I, my suspicion with the Bailey Smith was, one is, this is a real conspiracy theory. Did it come out of someone connected with Melbourne mm. to try and hose down the Stephen May circumstance? Just shut it up. Finally put it. Let's. Oh, I've got something else here. I'll flick it over to you. Let's get it to the media. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But the Tom Morris, just as an interest, we are getting way off track here. Well, and we need to go to a Bray because uh, Bray, Bray, my panel operator, is waiting. Friday yeah. afternoon, when he'd been sacked by Fox. He had a phone call from one of the most influential people in Australian sport and Australian media to say, just go away, keep your nose clean, keep your head down, you will be back because you're too good 
and I'll make sure you get a job when we bring you back later in the season. Okay, there you go. We'll leave it at that. 0487 736 736, the Tempera Bedshed text line, or you can join us on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 1255. You, no, you just <laughs> be quiet for a sec. We need to clear teaser. a break. It's just a teaser. Very teaser. We've got so much to get through. It's been a pretty hot start, and we want you to get involved, and we'll focus on the Eagles and all the other issues as well. And also, we must touch on... A make-or-break game at 2 o'clock tomorrow morning, our time, when the Socceroos take on Peru. If they win, they're in the World Cup. They lose, they're on the scrap heap.